Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the In the Eleven podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Griffiths, and this is the show where we bring on those from the world of football to show you what it takes to be in the Eleven at the highest possible level. This week's guest, Brian Saramago, is coming to us live from Slovenia. Great story that he shares with us about his journey to the professional ranks through the Red Bull Academy, Loyola College, and, and now kind of talks to us about what it's been like life in Slovenia for the past year or so. So really interesting one. You don't hear many players, especially Americans that are out there in Slovenia. So it's a, it's a fun one to learn more about the Slovenian football world and, and just the pro game in general. So a lot of good stuff from him. And I'm looking forward to share that one with you guys. As you know, the past couple episodes, past couple episodes, I've asked you a quick favor here. If you've liked some of the episodes that you've heard, if you get any value from the content or you like the stories, if you could please leave a rating and review on the show, it helps the content reach those who may not have yet discovered it. So without further ado, here is myself and Brian. All right, ladies and gentlemen, taking a quick break from uh, a strenuous preseason so far over in Slovenia, Brian stepping into the 11, as we just mentioned there, before we jumped on, I know it's been it's been tough with double sessions, triple sessions um, the past couple of weeks, but I appreciate yeah. you taking some time to to talk about your career a little bit, to talk about footy, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, you know. It's it's nice hopping on a podcast and speaking about footy with with someone with with top knowledge and just nice to have a conversation, you know. Yeah, so I look absolutely. forward to it, and I appreciate you welcoming me. Cool, cool, man. So, I mean, I'm sure we're gonna dive into it a little bit more in depth in here, but uh, kind of what I guess brought you to Slovenia, like how how of all the places in the world for you know an American player. <laughs> Did you find yourself playing in in Slovenia? Um, well, I would say number one, uh, it was honestly thanks to COVID. Cause, wow, okay. Um, so I graduated out of Loyola, Maryland in uh, 2020, and I uh, accelerated there so I could – and school early and graduate and have a diploma in January so I could uh, join into the MLS draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up not getting going undrafted. And uh, so I got a couple of invites with a couple of USL championship sides. Um, I ultimately decided to go back to Red Bull too. And um, while I was, I finished preseason, they, they were going into the first week of a, uh, of the season and that's when COVID hit mm. and ultimately um, like I would say probably a month and a half, two months when, when they started get going back to trainings they were doing like one person at a time at the field um, type of trainings. And uh, that's when the coach told me that uh, they were going to opt to not sign me because of financial reasons. Uh, thanks to like, because of COVID obviously Everyone yeah. took a major hit financially. So they decided to go the route where they would stick to academy players. So I was kind of out of a team and just trying to look for something. And uh, 
just kind of playing Sunday league and, and stuff like that as, as something yeah. to stay fit and, and waiting for an opportunity for something to come around. And that's when um, a guy, uh, there was a coach in New York that actually took a job here as the assistant at the team I'm at. And uh, he, he gave me a phone call, asked me uh, if I had anything going on for me and, and just a bunch of questions and, and stuff like that. And he asked me, at the end, if I was interested in coming over. And honestly, I said, why not? I didn't really have anything going for me. Um, mm. There were no teams reaching out. This was the only one. And and it was in Europe. It's professional and playing in a second division. So honestly, I just said, why not? And just packed my bags and left a month later to, to start this journey that I'm on now. <laughs> that's amazing man booked a one-way ticket and, and the rest is history as they say right yeah um yeah i wanted to ask so it, it seems like your red bull roots are pretty deep then obviously because you came up through the red bull academy how how did that process come about for you joining the academy and then what was your experience like playing with that system um that's so I, I played at Gachi and um, I was best friends with Omir Fernandez, who is actually on the first team right now. And uh, he he ultimately was the one that got invited to Red Bulls and he went out on a limb. Um, we were best friends since we were eight. And uh, he basically told the coach that if he was going to go, that he would want me to come as well. Wow. A little package <laughs> deal. <laughs> and uh and the coach the coach told him I, I like that he wouldn't promise him anything but he uh he would let me trial and I went to trial had a couple we had three sessions we did 11 v 11 all those three sessions and uh I scored in all three at least one and and the coach decided to keep me around and and that's how my Red Bull journey started so honestly I'm grateful for for my best friend Omir for for going out on a limb and basically just just believing in me and and giving me the opportunity and then the rest just fell into place and yeah yes. i would say the system i grew up playing a, a possession based team my my gachi team always played possession i always tell people that um my coach was irish um paul mcglynn and uh he always believed in in building up out of the back even from a young age I remember uh, if the goalie didn't play out of the back, if he ever kicked it long on like a goal kick or something, mm -hmm. he'd pull him out right away. He he didn't want us to be playing long balls and, and stuff like that. He always wanted us to build out of the back and, and work it through and, and work possession-based. So going to Red Bulls, who kind of has a, a different formula from that or philosophy, I would say, that's much more high press and, and long balls yeah. and seven seconds to score. It was a bit of a transition, but now, now I feel like, uh, I, I fit well in, in, uh, philosophies that, that work with that gig and press and, and high press type of thing. But yeah, it was, it was, it was different, but it was nice. I, I appreciate yeah. the, my time there. It, it allowed me, honestly, it gave me the platform to to join the youth national team, which which was honestly the main goal going to Red Bulls because um, 
there it seemed to be a lot of guys from from at least my age group from that Red Bull team like Matt Ola Sunday, Tyler Adams, um, Omir. They were all getting called in from from Red Bull, so it was a it was kind of a something that I saw as if I get on this team, if I do well, maybe I can get into to youth national teams, and and thankfully it, it ended up happening. With that as well, your goal kind of becoming wanting to go into the youth national team, did it also start to maybe shift away from wanting to go to college and wanting to go like professional quicker than than maybe, you know, perceived before? Because obviously, like you said, those players that you mentioned are all now playing professionally and some of them went to college, some of them Mm -hmm. maybe only went to college for a year or two or something like that. So was it kind of like, all right, I want to try and get into the national pool, but also go pro as as soon as it's possible for me? Um, I'd say yes and no. It's For me, my parents always kind of wanted me to go to college because so I'm a, fa- I'm a son of immigrants. Um, my parents mm-hmm. came over when my sister was three. So my sister was born in Portugal. Both my parents are from Portugal. Um, I'm actually the only one in my family that that was born in the U.S. So it was kind of a a big deal trying to get a, a diploma and graduate college. So I I've always wanted to go pro, and and even when I was at school, I had times where after my freshman year, my my sophomore year, that that I wanted to to give pro a go and maybe leave school, but my parents were always telling me that. Just a couple more years, get your diploma, and then and then you can go pro. Like uh, we believe that you can make it to that level, but it's always good to to have that diploma like in in your back pocket because you know football. You never know you can get yeah. injured one day, and and that's it. So, um, and honestly, I'm grateful that at the at the end of the day, I got the got my diploma. It's it's something that. I don't have to worry about. So it, it honestly makes me play freer um, with no stress. I, like I, I know I have this in the back pocket, but I obviously, um, you know, it's always good to, to have a plan B, I think. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting way to look at it. Is it like it kind of, you never put too much pressure or stress on yourself to, obviously you want to perform to the best of your ability when you're a football player, of yeah. course, but it's not like, maybe the same level of stakes for other players who it's like, if this doesn't mm-hmm. work or I do get an injury or something, I don't have, you know, a really way to pivot into something else. So that's, that's, uh, yeah. that's fascinating. Um, what was it like that first time being able to wear the youth national team Jersey and, and have the crest and stuff and, and play with some of those guys? I have to imagine that's like a surreal moment. Yeah, it was, I could still remember walking into the locker room and, and seeing my jersey there. Um, my first game was against Spain, so I walked in. We were wearing the, the wow. white kit. My number was 18, and and it was just I, – I didn't start that game, but I, I remember being on the bench ready to go, and, and finally coach came over to me and told me to go warm up, and, and it's still waiting on that sideline and then running onto the field with that crest on your – on your over your heart it's it's really something special and something that i'll always remember and uh you know it's something that that i want to strive to to do again you know for for the full men's national team 
So obviously you already mentioned, you know, Tyler Adams before. Um, and have you kind of come across whether playing with or kind of playing against really all of or most of the guys who are kind of in that current national team? Like it, it's a uh, it seems like you kind of have a star studded lineup of guys that you've played with or kind of been in and around growing up. Yeah, I would say, especially now, I feel like a lot of the, the, the class of 98, like the, the 98 born guys are, are starting to make their, their way into, into the national team. Like that trip in Spain, my, my roommate was Weston McKinney. So obviously he's making a, a big splash here in, in Europe and playing really well and showing what, what he's capable of. I, played a couple of times at Red Bulls with uh, Tyler. Um, I've played with Matt Sunday, who who played at Man U and, and now is playing um, for Preston North End. And uh, players like this, like I know Haji was, was on that trip as well um, to Spain. So yeah, there's a bunch of guys and, and it's nice seeing all these guys uh, making their, their men's national team. Um, appearances because honestly at the end of the day it makes me believe in myself even more I know that I've played with them once before like I know I, I believe in myself that I can make it to that point again and and it's nice to see guys that that you were around making uh making it into into the national team and with their club teams and performing well it's always it's always nice to see what are the things that when you're in and around those guys on a day in day out basis, training and playing games and like, what are the things that you kind of pick up from them or, or learn from them or just be with a, <clears throat> being with a national team? Like those are the best players mm-hmm. in the country. Like, so what kind of things can you learn from something like that? Uh, I would say just the professionalism that they brought every day. Um, mm. I know like I was playing, when I made my, when I was on the youth national team, I was probably 16 years old. And, and some of these guys were already playing at a, in Europe or, or clubs that, um, that were more professional or making already like at reserves teams for their MLS sides and, and stuff like this. And, and they were around professionals often. And they just had a, just a different mannerism than, than a couple of guys on your academy team, you know, that, that haven't really seen that type of or been exposed to that type of professionalism. And, and you could tell that these guys really wanted it. And, and it was nice to be around like for, for an example, when I went to the national team, I never really was introduced to, to foam rolling and stuff like this. And these guys were doing it before every session, every match and, and taking care of their bodies a lot more than, than what I was used to. And uh, like, people around me were, were doing so like that was just one thing that was kind of eye-opening and and stuff like that just seeing how how they every day they they prepared for for match games at a at a higher level and and stuff like that they focus on the little things I feel like and that was good to see and and learn from yeah it's interesting it's um I'm curious too now as you have used kind of accumulated these experiences in your career early on where you're like in one of the top level academies in the country, you're training with the national team at certain points. Um, and then did you also have a, a couple of games that you played with the USL team before you actually went to college for Red Bulls? 
Yeah, so I played for Red Bull 2. I think I made seven or eight appearances, and that was also very eye-opening and, and very, very helpful, especially um, making the transition to college, playing with the these grown men and professionals. that They were already professionals, so it was good to, to be around these people. Like, I know I'll always remember when I was at uh, one of the sessions, the coach blew the whistle, session was over, and usually at academy, you just go walk over to your stuff and, and put your bag on, you kind of just leave. And I remember uh, coach pulled me aside and and just told me uh, just a little note that um, we see everything and if you want to get to the level, like this level and perform at your highest, like look at how all these guys are staying out after training and, and working on, on their weaknesses or, or doing something, working on their passing, working on their shooting. Like, uh, I advise you to, to probably do the same, especially mm-hmm. if you want to get to this level. And it was kind of, at that time, I was 15 years old, so I wasn't really used to, to staying after the session and working on, on stuff. And, and that's where I kind of started realizing that if I, if I want to get to the next level, I have to do these extra reps. It can't just be team training and, and stuff like that. So that was another experience that, that I brought over to, to college and, and stuff like that. And even now I like to stay after. And if I feel like I need to work on my shooting or sharpen up, I like to stay after and, and work on these things. I, I feel like it's important. And that was a lesson that I, thankfully learned at at 15 years old with with the reserve team at Red Bull yeah it's always uh you're more grateful the earlier that you learned that lesson for sure um because for some players if it's too late like it it doesn't quite matter how much extra work you're putting in um is there I know you mentioned too there was kind of family related to wanting you to also get your education as well and I'm sure it's extremely valuable Mm -hmm. and important to you but is there also kind of a a certain level of like I'm already playing with professionals day in and day out, you know? So like, should I go to college? Is there a little bit of that discussion that you're kind of having? Yeah. When you're deciding whether to go to college or not? Yeah, for sure. I know uh, at the time, my senior year, I was playing with uh, Red Bull 2 and I was traveling with them and stuff and it was getting closer to, to going to school. And I know there were a couple of people that uh, took their gap, like you could take a gap year and I, I definitely discussed with my parents about maybe maybe I should take a gap year and, and try and stay here at Red Bull and, and see what happens. And if if they don't want to keep me, I can just go to school next year and, and see how it goes. But after a couple of lengthy discussions with my parents, we we came to the conclusion that it was probably better just to to get the education and and just get it started and, and get it over with. Because I technically was a young young kid going into uh, college. I was 17, so I only turned 18 in, in November, mid-November. So I basically played my whole freshman year as a 17-year-old, which is pretty young. And, and I finished uh, school at 21, just turning 21. So it's not too, too old leaving school as as I know there are a couple of guys that leave university at 23 24 years old so I think that it didn't affect me as much as as uh, what was expected or what I was thinking yeah 
Is that also a conversation that you kind of have with the club as well? Like, do they kind of guide players as well? Like, hey, I think it would be a good idea for you to stick around because you're going to progress here at the club or, you know, uh, maybe college is the best route for you or does it really come down to the player and their family making the decision? Um, I would say the club also plays a part. I know that uh, they advise a couple of guys to to go to to school and stuff. At that point, when I started discussing that with my parents, they they really hadn't said anything to me, but it was always in the back of my mind. Um, it was something that that if I thought I would want to take that gap year, that I would mention to them and and speak to them. But I know in certain cases. Uh, there are some some kids that wanted to stay and they advised them maybe it's better for you to go to school and develop or or other guys that they sign homegrown straight out of academy that they think that are, are going to be guys that they see in the first team in a couple of years. So I think at first it's kind of what the player wants and what he thinks that, that he wants. And then from there um, would be kind of a discussion with the club and see what, what they think. Hmm. Yeah. So then as we look into your college experience, um, I'm curious about this one because like we've got we've gone over here, Red Bull Academy, you've done well, you're in the, the professional team as well, youth national team experience. And I mean, from the outside looking in, I know Loyola is a good school. I know the Patriot League is a good conference. But I also kind of wonder, like, I'm sure there were bigger fish that were knocking on your door, kind of kind of seeing if there was some interest there. So, it, you know, is that the case? Am I correct in assuming that? Or, or maybe walk us through kind of the recruitment process and how you wound up choosing Loyola. Yeah, you, you're definitely right. There, I had a lot of schools that, that were interested and, and stuff like that. But it uh, after visiting um, a handful of schools, I, uh, I just liked, uh, I think, it was important for me to, to connect with the coach and and like my surroundings and and even my parents when they went to visit with me all these all these schools um, when we met Coach Nichols um, he uh, there was just something different about him there was something that that I believed in and his vision and he believed in me so much that I think that uh, I just fell in love with with Loyola and and the, the ideas that he had for for myself and the team and and everything and even after when we were leaving after my official visit both my mom and dad both looked at me and were like I think this is a school like the coach is really nice he seems like he he cares a lot about you and it he seems that I know most almost all the coaches that I went to visit they all talked only about football and, and, and stuff like that. And just really about the program. But coach Nichols told my parents that I, he would help me develop both on the field and off the field and, and help me become a, a man and, and just become a, the best man possible. Um, Cause you know, you never know if, if football doesn't work at the end of the day um, you just need to, to be responsible and, and he'll prepare me for the, for the real world and, and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I, I believed in him and, and everything. And looking back, I tell everyone that 
I don't regret going to Loyola at all. I, I love my time there. It was so nice. And honestly, if I had to repeat it all over again, I would, I would pick Loyola again for sure. I love my time there. I love Coach Nichols. I love uh, Coach Marciano, Coach Darville. They're all top coaches, and I think it really helped me develop as a player as well. Um, and I just enjoyed my time there. I think it was it was great. But, yeah, I had bigger schools to go to, but it just didn't, didn't seem right. You know, I, when I went to Loyola, it just seemed like it was the, the right place to be. It was just, I don't know. Someone always says, oh, yeah, you should visit the school first and see if it's right for you. Like, that really is true because I visited a bunch of schools, and out of all of them, Loyola was was the one place that I felt at home right away. Once I stepped on campus, I walked around, the people there, everything was so nice. Everyone was so nice that it was it was great. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we got to change that here, and Manscaped's going to help you do that. So, first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming, and that is because... Of their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight. So, no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower, you've got the light as well, easy, and you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that Weed Whacker, the Manscaped Weed Whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is gonna help reduce with Nick's snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pre-game rituals, you've got post-game rituals, a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hop in an ice bath, whatever it is, you have to add your below-the-waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes, and then you come in, and you're sweaty and disgusting, and you're not taking care of yourself. you got you got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows? Maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play, you know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs, and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time 
gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Yeah. So it sounds like if you were ever, you know, having a conversation with a younger player that was kind of going through the recruiting process that you would say mm-hmm. it's more about the feel that you get with the program. Like if if they care about you and I'm sure every player has different things that they value, yeah. but it's like, I guess the big thing that was the deciding factor for you was that it felt more like home than, than really anything else. Yeah. I felt just felt comfortable. Like, uh, mm. I went to other schools and it felt like, uh, I wasn't too sure if I would feel at home there. And, and once I stepped on Loyola, it just felt right. I felt like I trusted, uh, coach, coach Nichols with, with everything and that he would help me out and and yeah I think it just once you get on campus if you if you feel like you you'll feel or or if you feel comfortable right off the bat I think that's something that's really important yeah so when you uh went into preseason and then you know kind of kicked off your college soccer career what was the differences that you kind of noticed was there like a level jump or was it maybe a little bit down from the USL level? Like kind of maybe compare and contrast the the soccer side of things for people out there listening. I think, I think it was a, a bit of a level down from the USL in terms of technical, but I do think it was a bit more physical. Uh, I know that the, it was just a more physical game of, of football than what the USL was like. But so in terms of technical, it was, it was a little bit easier, but in terms of physicality, it was, it was a bit harder to, to adjust. So it was kind of, you know, there was, it's just, yeah, just the technical side was, was easier. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I've heard that from a lot of players that the college game is, uh, there's so much of an emphasis on like fitness and running and physicality, mm-hmm. right? You do a lot of strength and conditioning work. Um, was yeah. that kind of your, was your, uh, I guess, schedule in terms of when you were in college, was it like a lot of training, but then also work in the gym as well, like strength and conditioning stuff? Like what was your sort of schedule like in that, in that regard? We honestly, um, my freshman year, our strength and conditioning coach was more of like an Olympic, like uh, lifting program. And then after the fall season, we we're blessed enough to get a, a strength and conditioning coach that used to work at um, Chicago Fire. So he knew more about football strength and conditioning. Um, his name was Ruben, and he's been one of the best trainers I've ever had. And he he knew all his stuff and it was a lot better so i would say my first my freshman year first half in the fall it was more of like olympic lifting and stuff like that it was like three times a week and and stuff and it was it was definitely a lot harder for me especially 
coming from I honestly the first time I stepped into a weight room and started lifting was preseason of college I was 17 and it was my first time really picking up heavy weight and stuff so it was kind of like it was kind of a shock to me and and to my body like I felt a a lot more sore after everything and and stuff like that but yeah I think uh, that was another (laughs) big difference between academy ball and yeah. in college was was the lifting aspect but i would say that after when ruben came it was a lot more like uh plyometrics and and stuff like this like stuff that that actually helped us on the field and and it wasn't so much heavy lifting like it wasn't so much like uh max bench and stuff like mm-hmm. this it was more working on on your hamstrings like nordics and 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 stuff like that if you could go back to your academy days like would you knowing what you know now would you have kind of input more uh gym stuff and more weight training into your program or do you still think like the biggest recommendation is just get the most amount of time on the ball when you're at that age growing up for me i would say most important is getting the, the technical stuff down, like your your touch, your dribble, your your passing, your shooting. But if I was to go back, I would add like uh, plyometrics and isometric stuff, like body weight stuff, where mm-hmm. where I would improve my acceleration and my jumping and stuff. I think that that I would I would apply some of those things, but not so much like uh like the heavy lifting. I feel like towards when I started doing that in college, I think it was like around the right time. I think as you're developing in, in the academy and, and stuff like that, you should kind of focus more on the technical side and, and work on those those things that help you get that first step quicker and you're jumping quicker and stuff like that or jumping higher. And I think that's more important than, than actual heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. As, so now you're in college, right? And you're kind of getting acclimated to everything, um, starting a lifting programs, starting training at a, a high level. And I know you mentioned earlier there were some opportunities maybe in, in between seasons to, again, kind of look at the professional route and maybe opportunities presented themselves to you. Um, did that come about from your college career? Did that come about from, I know in the summer you also spent time, went back to Red Bull a little bit and were playing PDL or I'm not sure at the time it was USL two or, or what it what it was. Um, yeah. Did did some of those opportunities kind of present themselves via those connections or or just through college and and maybe walk us through the decision making process to come back each year? So for me, coming back each year to to Red Bull uh, under twenty three was was simple because I'd be in that environment and. Since I already played uh, with the USL too, they would let me train with them um, throughout the mm. summer. So it was more of a, like, I know that I can get this training in and at a high quality and I could keep my my fitness and, and stuff like that. So I would basically just train with the USL team and then I'd play games with, uh, with the PDL team. And so that was kind of the idea behind going back to Red Bull and obviously I was still in school and and I obviously still wanted to get that homegrown contract. So I thought it would be obviously the best, best option for me was to, 
go back and, and showcase uh, my abilities and so they could see me and and how I developed it in, uh, every year at school to hopefully um, get that homegrown contract. So that was basically the, the thought process behind going back to, to Red Bull 23 every summer. Yeah. As you went through your college career, and obviously you had success, uh, you know, on the individual level in terms of accolades, do you ever feel like you really got that kind of answer from Red Bull as to maybe why they didn't, uh, you know, go forward with the homegrown or, or draft you? I think it was just at the time um, they were going to bring up Brian White and they had a couple of foreigners on the team. And, and I think that they just thought that myself and, and Brian White were probably too similar forwards and they kind of didn't want the, the same type of forward, um, two of the same type of forward on the team and, and stuff like that. Um, but never really got like an explanation, but honestly, at the end of the day, it's football is a business if, if you really look at it. So I didn't really expect an explanation as to why or, or why not. But, uh, yeah, I definitely, it was definitely kind of a, a bit of a shock because I felt like I, I always performed at every level at, at Red Bull, um, whether it be academy, um, I was always the leading scorer. I felt like um, when I went back to, at PDL, like I was also always leading the, the team in goals and stuff like that. And um, I was doing the same during my college season. And But at the end of the day, um, they opted to go a different way. And, and that's just how football goes. And, and it opened doors to, to other opportunities. Yeah. So is that like, is it a bit of a hard pill to swallow? Because obviously I'm sure you have that that history, like we mentioned before, those roots with Red Bull, or is it just sort of like, all right, you know what? Football is a business. It is what it is. Like now let me kind of figure out how to how to go find a new opportunity for myself. Uh, at first it was definitely a hard pill to swallow, you know. Um, you've been around the that facility and, and the team for so long and and you feel like, or at least I felt like I, like I said, I performed at every level that I thought that if they gave me the opportunity to even just come to preseason and, and give, give me a trial and see what, what would happen. I felt like I would, I would be able to perform and, and earn my spot on the team and, and showcase that, that I am good enough to, to be part of the team. But after a couple of days, it was, okay, let me get back to, to work and, and see what's next and um, reach out to other clubs, see what, what's happening. And, and if someone will, will just give me that, that one chance and, and let me come to preseason with them, that was basically the focus. So I would say, yeah, at first it's obviously a hard pill to swallow since you've been there for so long. And, and I love putting on the Red Bull kit. I, even now I'm, I'm a big Red Bull supporter. I, I watch their games every day or every week and obviously watching uh omir play is, is always nice um i always want him to score and assist and, and do his best so it's nice that he's finally getting to start this year and and it's nice to to watch them so yeah i it was a hard pill to swallow but now it's in the past it it was couple of days later back to work and, and I think that's the, the mentality that, that you need to have, especially 
in football if you want to make it you can't really dwell on the past and because football moves so fast opportunities open up so quickly that if you're stuck dwelling in the past you you might miss the next opportunity yeah exactly so i know we we mentioned earlier that there was kind of that that happened with red bull where you're also with the you know the usl team COVID happens everything kind of changes and you were playing Sunday league, you said, just trying to find a team. Like, what are you doing in that process? Obviously playing Sunday league to stay fit, training on your own, I'm sure. What's the process mm-hmm. like for you of actually finding a new club? You know, what are you doing? Who are you kind of reaching out to? So I had uh, I had kind of an agent um, talking to me and, and telling me that, uh, that he would try and reach out. And so I kind of stuck with him and, and he got me uh, – a bunch of different trials so i was kind of bouncing around with uh teams in the usl um it was i had a couple of teams in league one and a couple of teams in the championship um and at the time uh, i decided to go back i went with uh phoenix rising for for a week with them and uh after a week they they told me that they were gonna keep uh, another forward that, that they were bringing in from Denmark. And so I just got on my flight, came back, mm-hmm. got back on the on the phone with, with the agent and asked him uh, if he could find me another trial. And then um, I would say probably like a week or so later, he, he called about my assistant, who's my head coach now, um, that – spoke with him and, and told him uh, if I was interested and uh, that he wanted to reach out to me. And I told him, sure, um, give him my number and, and I'll be glad to talk. And that's kind of where where that all started. Okay. So that led right into Slovenia after the, the Phoenix Rising trial. Yeah. I would say probably a, a week or two after it was – it. Yeah, it came to, to fruition that, that I started talking and the, and the ball started rolling and, and yeah. stuff like that. What's it like to go on trial with a professional club? Like, is it is it nerve-wracking? Is it just, uh, you know, I'm curious, especially I think players out there would be curious to know, like, what's that like to just show up at a club where, you know, they have a, they have a team already, right? And you're just kind of going in there trying yep. to essentially take somebody's job. Yep. Like, what is that kind of like? Yeah. Um, it's definitely a little nerve wracking. I think that, um, it's always a little, a little bit, uh, yeah, you get a little bit nervous going there. You're, you get off the plane, you're, you're getting there. You finally get to, to training. You don't really know anybody. Everyone's kind of looking at you like who's the new guy and, and stuff yeah. like that. But, uh, I think at the end of the day, you just can't really focus you just have to go there with the mentality that uh, this is an opportunity I need to perform at my best and and you just have to focus on on doing everything the little things right and and just working your hardest and showcasing your ability which at the end of the day is what a trial essentially is you need to 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 prove to the coaches and and the management and, and the directors and stuff that that you're worth keeping around and and I think that's the the biggest thing. I would say that trials are are always difficult cuz like you said you're basically 
trying to take someone's job and mm. when when someone comes in on trial they're obviously a couple of players on on every team aren't really going to like it because you're either trying to take their job or others are, aren't going to really like it because you're trying to take their friend's job at the end of the day so there is there is that difficulty but i honestly never had really a, a bad experience on trial um at Phoenix, um, everyone welcomed all the trialists and stuff. They they were nice. They they obviously um, are a top team and all top professionals, and and they know that these things trialists obviously always come and go. And and if you if you want to stay on the team, you need to perform yourself. And I feel like yeah. um, all these experienced guys know that at the end of the day. And and they were they were very friendly to to myself and the, and the few other trialists that were there at the time. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it, it is always a little bit nerve wracking going there, but you just need to believe in yourself and, and perform and, and try and get that contract at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And I have to imagine too, once you come over to Slovenia, it's like a little bit more difficult because now you're doing all that same things in another country and a country where you don't speak yeah. the language and all that kind of stuff. Like what was that first maybe culture shock like for you coming in on trial or the first couple of weeks, month when you're in, when you're in Slovenia? I, uh, honestly, I didn't, I didn't really have to trial. So I, okay, I kind of came over with, with a contract already. Thank, which was kind of a, the big selling point for me because um, I have been, I had been on so many trials that I was kind of like oh, another trial. Yeah, and then <laughs> they told me that, that, okay, like we really like you and stuff and, and we believe in you. So like, we're willing to, to offer you a contract. And I, I was like, Oh, perfect. I don't have to go to another trial and worry about all these things. But um, I would say the first couple of weeks, it, it was a culture shock. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult language to, to understand and even practice. Like even now, I, I don't know much. I just know simple football terms on the pitch and stuff. And I try, but it's, it's really difficult to, yeah. to learn and, and stuff. And I know uh, myself, I'm from New York, uh, from Long Island, but it's still there's a lot of buildings and stuff like that. And where I'm at right now, um, when I first got here, it was like just mountains around and, and <laughs> so many trees and stuff. It was definitely like a much more like nature based, uh, city, um, mm -hmm. that it was sometimes in training after training, I would just kind of look around and be like, um, I'm just, I'm in the middle of the mountains. Like I'm not used <laughs> to seeing this as many mountains around coming from, from New York. Yeah. And, and after like the, the third day, my coach came up to me and he was like, he's like, well, you're observing that the background's on, you're not really used to this stuff. And I was like, no, nah, like, it's completely different than, than what I'm used to. I'm used to everything being walking distance and, and seeing so many people on the road and stuff. And here, if I go walk to, to the supermarket uh, in a 15 minute walk, I'd probably see like three people, Yeah. <laughs> which in New York, you'd see three people right, right. When you walk out of your door. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely something, something different and, and stuff like that. But it is, 
it is enjoyable. It's a lot more relaxed and, and calm and, and, and it is different, but yeah, it was definitely a, a little shock at first yeah. for myself. Was there a difference in the, the football side of it as well? Like I know for one thing, like just, I think European football was so cool for me to experience just to see like the culture around it and see how many people love the game. Was that kind of the same experience yeah. that you had in Slovenia or like, was there even things that you learned that were just kind of different about the game than they were in the United States? Um, honestly, I, it wasn't much different from, from what I was used to at Loyola. Um, okay. Like I said, um, our assistant coach was, was one of the best coaches I've ever had. He's actually the head coach at Drexel now. Um, Michael Marciano and uh, the things that he taught us in at Loyola and, and our style of play at Loyola um, kind of transitioned here. Like at Loyola, we were playing a three, five, two and uh, with possession based and, and we've really focused on building out of the back and, and all these things. And uh, when I got here, I think uh, we played the same formation three, five, two as well. Our coach also wanted us to build out of the back and, and kind of the, the rotations were, were similar. Um, so it wasn't that hard to, to get accustomed to. I feel like uh, a lot of these things were, were similar. And even dating all the way back to, to my gotcha days, like I told you earlier, mm-hmm. my coach always t- told us to build out of the back and, and be possession-based and play kind of a, a tiki-taka style of play. And uh, so I've always kind of been around these these teams that that focus on this kind of european style Mm. uh football which i think helped a lot with the the transition so overall how did that first season go for for you personally and then obviously your first season with the team how did the team perform uh so the team wanted to obviously go into the first league last year and we finished fifth. Um, but it is, it is very difficult to, to get promoted here. Um, you need to win the league. Um, and whoever wins the league gets promoted automatically. Okay. And then if you finish second, you uh, have to play a playoff versus the team that was second to last in the first division. Okay. So you're essentially fighting everyone, um, all 16 teams are kind of fighting for that, obviously that first place spot to, for guaranteed play and then, and then so on. So the goal was obviously to get promoted last year. We finished fifth. Um, we finished four, like short of our goal, but it wasn't too bad. We, we had good performances. We had some, some good games, but uh, we had a couple of games that we let slip that were, either mistakes from us or or we just didn't show up. And, and at the end of the day, if you want to win a league, um, you need to always show up and perform every every game and, and always put your, your best foot forward. Um, you can't really make um, these these mistakes that we were making, especially in this league when, when so many teams, you kind of really need that first place spot to, to get promoted. Um, so we fell a little bit short, but it was still a good season. Um, it's something to build on. Uh, we kept a lot of the core group from last year, um, into this year. 
and we added a couple of guys that that really helped the team and and I think uh we have a good chance of, of fighting for that first and second spot this year again um so it'll be interesting but in terms of personally um when I first got here they told me that uh to not really put too much pressure on me about scoring scoring so much um that they expected me to have a little transition period um yeah. and that if uh I didn't score as much as as I expected that it would be okay like they weren't really going to they weren't really really worried about me um scoring like 20 goals but mm-hmm. at the end of the, at the end of the year I I had a really good year and I ended up scoring 17 and wow. um which was good enough to finish second behind uh the forward that what was playing on the second place team he had 21 um but yeah for, for personally it was it was a good season for myself i obviously wanted to get that golden boot um, yeah it was it was always uh yeah it was always driving me to to do my best in each game um but yeah personally i i think i had a an excellent season, especially being my first season in, in Europe and in the second division in a country that I wasn't really too familiar or, or too comfortable at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I did well to to transition and and just at the end of the day perform at, at my highest uh, level and, and just do what I do best, which is score goals and, and enjoy playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially I have to imagine after a season like that, was there maybe some some buzz and some interest around you or, or were you on a two year contract with this current team or, you know, maybe walk us through your off season and then what led you to coming back to the club? Um, so I signed a two year contract, but there okay. were there was some interest from from other clubs. Um, I know sometimes uh my club didn't really say anything, but I would get uh, like a notification of like a, a news article here um, mentioning me and, and a couple of first division sides um, that were apparently um, looking into me and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it was just more the club kind of wanted to keep me around for the season because obviously their goal is is to get promoted and Mm -hmm. um the coach that that brought me over um went from assistant to head coach now so um i i have a good connection with him and and i like the the style of play that that he wants to implement it's pretty similar to to the way we played at red bulls and and that's one of my favorite styles i love the gig and press. I love pressing. I, I love that, that type of football. So I think that, uh, at the end of the day, I, I thought that it'd be, it'd be good to, to stay and, and try and see, uh, what we can do with this team and see if we can, uh, take this club to, to the first division and, and achieve that goal and, and hopefully see how it goes. I know this year we play in the cup for the first time last year, um only two teams in the second division played because of covid was was still a a thing kind of so Mm. not all clubs were part of it and this year everyone is a part of it again it's back to normal so it's definitely going to be interesting and and nice and and i look forward to 
to seeing how far we can go in the cup as well, which is going to be a new experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cup football always is, is another cool thing about, uh, about Europe. So I think it would be fair to say yeah. kind of your goal is to obviously do well, as you just mentioned in the cup and, and hopefully promote the team mm-hmm. and, and that golden boot as well. What, what yeah. are some of the other goals, you know, still so early on in your career that you have as you look forward to, to your professional career? I would say the biggest one that I have is uh, if I don't have the chance to, to make that U.S. men's national team roster in 2022, I definitely want to be on that roster in 2026 playing at home and, and in the U.S. and Canada and, and Mexico. I would love to be on that on that roster. So I think that's definitely my number one goal, um, just – see where it goes and, and perform to my best and try and make it um, onto that roster and play in, in a World Cup, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but I would say another goal, I, I would I would really enjoy playing um, in Portugal. Um, like I said, my, my parents are from there. My sister was born there. I have almost all my extended family are, are still living in Portugal. So it would be nice to go back and, and play professionally there and, and have – all my family around yeah. and and just watching me and supporting me it would be something cool um and yeah I, w- I would love to be be in that first division someday and and see what I can do there has that been something that you've already looked at and explored a little bit um Portugal or have you kind of been on trial out there or anything like that so far um yeah so after my freshman year, I actually went on on trial with uh, with Braga, so I went on trial with their under nineteens. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I was uh, when I went into school, I was seventeen, and I turned eighteen. So I was I was kind of at a weird age where they weren't sure if I was part of the under nineteen or if I was if I wasn't able to play. So they invited me on a trial and they were like, let's see you first. And then we'll, we'll go from there. And they, uh, they liked me, the, the coach ended up liking me and, uh, they tried then they, when they, it was time to go see if, uh, I could play, like actually play with the under 19s. Um, they, they said that the cutoff was, uh, I think October 1st or, or something like that. I missed it by like wow. a month or two. And, uh, they told me that if, I was to stay out, it would have had to be with Braga B. And they said that they thought I was good to play for the under 19, but for Braga B, it was a different story. They had a lot of, obviously, like uh, Brazilian guys and, and guys that that were kind of reserved guys for the first team and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a completely different level. So um, that, that happened. And then during COVID I tried going out there and playing and stuff. I was kind of just playing with a, with the local team. Um, and then I decided to come back to, to the U S for, for that Phoenix rising, um, trial. Cause I thought it was obviously a better opportunity than playing, um, in the district like level. It was basically just amateur football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was, it was, it was better for me to go back to Phoenix. So, in terms of experiences, that was kind of my, my only experiences in Portugal. 
But recently, yeah, I've obviously would like to see if uh, if after this contract is up and and see um, if I could go back and either to to League Three or or the second division in in Portugal and and work my way up. Or honestly, you never know. Um, it's just more just waiting and, and seeing and but at the end of the day what's more important is just performing here and, and taking it one game at a time because you can't really overlook uh yeah. these games because at the end of the day if i don't perform well it doesn't really matter um where i want to go if i yeah. don't perform so it's kind of i kind of leave that stuff for for the people that that are advising me and and stuff like that and they could deal with those out, outside factors. I kind of just want to stay focused on on my football and and training every day and and games that are coming up, and just scoring as many goals as possible or assisting as much as possible. Whatever helps the team win, that's my main objective at the end of the day. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like kind of just controlling what you can control and and that stuff as as you've just laid out here based on your career a lot of that stuff sometimes is not within your control you know where you play or yep. or for what coach or what league or anything like that but mm-hmm. yeah man it's been it's been good stuff i i really appreciate you jumping on and tell the story i don't want to take too much of your time because i know preseason is busy and you gotta try and recover to be able to, to go back <laughs> and and do it again but thank you so much yeah. and uh, i'm sure the people really enjoyed it thank you thank you for having me I was glad to get the invite onto the podcast. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much to Brian for taking some time out of a busy preseason to jump on and record with us, tell us about his story. It was a lot of fun. Thank you to all of you out there who are listening. Greatly appreciate the support of the podcast as it continues to grow. If you want some more digestible bite-sized content, clips from this episode, clips from previous episodes with Arun, Caesar, JC Mack, you know, the whole lot, Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Both of those are going to be at in the 11 pod. We've got clips. We've got some some sizzle highlight reels from uh, some of these guys and, and just some really good content. Um, so I'd encourage you and would love for you to go and follow us over on those platforms. And I will catch you guys on the next one. Peace.